If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Um, if you don't have a Bible app and got one of the old one, uh, old uh, paper texts, the New Testament is towards the back, and it's Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. So Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 1 through 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and, and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him and shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus asked him, Son, what's your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. Well, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons pointed up and begged Jesus, Hey, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Well, he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. I don't know about you, uh, when I get to heaven, I, I want to meet a few people. I want to have a conversation with Paul saying, why couldn't you write a little clearer on some stuff? But I also want to say, hey, can we go back? I want to see some of this cool stuff. I want to see the chariots of fire that we see in 2 Kings chapter 6, right up there where, you know, Elijah says, open the eyes of his heart. And so you got all the soldiers there surrounding him, and then he opens his eyes and goes, oh, wow, I want to see that. But number two on the list is this. I want to see the pigs going charging down, each with multiple demons, and there's going crashing off the cliff into the water. I mean, won't that be cool to, to be able to see that? And I'm going to go, do it again, do it again. I, I want to see these things take place. And, and just I, in my mind's eye, I create what it, what it was like. And when I got to go over to Holy Land, we went to this park area where they believed that it took place. And you see this bluff of the mountain, you're like, oh, wow. I can't wait for that day to see this story and, and see it before myself. 
So um, imagine, so um, there's a lot to this story for us to unpack. And unfortunately, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on Legion. But what I want us to focus in on as we look at this story is three things. Number one, the man, Legion, we're going to spend a little bit of time on that. But then we're also going to talk about the mission. And finally, we're going to talk about the message. So let's start with the man. Well, this story, as incredible as it was, takes place right on the heels of Jesus calming the storm out on the Sea of Galilee. And, and as he's out there, and remember he falls asleep as they're crossing over, and, and the disciples are waking up, don't you even care about us? And after he calms, you know, the, the wind and the waves, he rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith. I don't think they heard that rebuke. Because they're sitting there awestruck going, who is this guy that even the wind and the waves listen to him? They're like, who have we gotten in the boat with? Who are we following? What does it mean to be a disciple of someone that can do that, that can turn off a storm and have it turn just like that? Well, so they, they pull up uh, and their, their boat pulls up on the shore, and, and if you can imagine, it's swamped from all of the wind and the waves and everything else. So they're probably up, oh, I don't know, calf deep in water, uh, and they're cold, and they're wet, and their fingertips and their toes have turned white. They're kind of pruning, you know, because they're just like, get me out of this boat. And so their hair is probably still down in their eyes, and they're just wanting to get their outer cloak off and go lay it on a rock or, or a tree branch, olive tree or something, just so it'll dry out because they want out of this boat. But unfortunately, where they pull up is a graveyard of all things. So they're like, wow, what just happened here? And here comes down the hill this crazy guy. It's a man obviously possessed by an unclean spirit. And what Mark tries to convey to his audience is, here's some markers that this guy doesn't fit in with the Jews we've been talking about up to this point. Here's some ways that he is um, not living under the law. So number one, he lives in the tombs and among the dead. Well, uh, good God-fearing Jew, Jews couldn't do that. They couldn't come anywhere near a graveyard or, or tombs or they would be ceremoniously unclean. That's why they would whitewash the tombs. So even in low light situations, they wouldn't stumble up and accidentally touch a tomb. So he's living there. He also cuts himself and it has this self-destructive behavior that we see in Deuteronomy 14 and verse 1 is forbidden. And then he also lives with these pigs, boy, around these unclean animals that would have made him unclean as well. So Mark is saying, in case you haven't figured it out, this guy's got a lot of problems and he's not exactly worried about is he uh, under the law or not. Boy, he's completely unclean in what he's doing. We also figure out later that he's been naked through this whole thing. And it's not just the 12 in Jesus that pull up. We see in, in, uh, in Mark chapter 4 that when they leave, they've been teaching. It says Jesus and disciples hop in the boat and there are other boats with him. Well, who's in the other boats? Well, that's other disciples that traveled around with Jesus. Uh, Luke tells us that, uh, in Luke chapter 8, tells us that Mary Magdalene traveled with him. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Susanna, and many others traveled with Jesus and the 12. 
And so when Jesus pulls up and, and Legion comes running down the hill, I'm just imagining these poor ladies going, oh, y'all, okay, and they kind of turn back away, but they're taking all this in. And so they're like, how did we get here? Thaddeus, why did you pull up the boat here, right? And so they're like, this is horrible. We just come from this storm, and now we're pulling up into Gentile territory here at this graveyard. And so you got multiple boats. you got multiple disciples. Mark chapter 5 and verse 2 says, when Jesus got out of the boat, in my mind, everyone else just stayed put. They're like, I want no part of crazy. I just had crazy out on the water. I'm not going to have it here in the Gentile territories. And so they allowed Jesus to get out of the boat. And it appears the man that had been left out there had been exiled from his community. No longer was the man that identifies himself as legion able to stay with his classmates that he grew up with. And I don't know if it was some sin that he kept going further down a rabbit hole in and just, or if, if it was just something that Satan was up to. But obviously this, this guy couldn't even remain within the Gentile community. And so it became so bad that they bound him and threw him out and left him for dead among the dead. And so that's Legion. That's this guy. But man, it says that no one was able to subdue him. That he was strong enough that he's breaking the chains, even breaking the leg irons in you know, the monocles that, that are there holding his feet together. So he's a strong dude, but he also has coursing through his veins a demonic spirit, multiple demonic spirits that are in him, that are giving him this extra strength. It's just, man, he's a restless, evil personified, and no one can contain him. So we see what's happening, right? So it, it's kind of like the stage is set for this cage match. And, and there's just going to be a rumble that's going to take place. And it's like the, the best of Satan versus the best of God. And, and this showdown is set to take place right here on this shore. So that is the man. What about the mission? Was it just bad luck that they landed the boat here? I don't think so. I think everything Jesus did was intentional. But why did they pull up here? Well, if you read the first four chapters of Mark, as Jesus begins his ministry there in Judea, what happens? He goes and he, he's preaching in the synagogue, and immediately an evil spirit starts manifesting himself and someone out in the audience. And so it, it's like immediate opposition to what he's trying to do there. But Jesus starts teaching, and he starts healing, and he starts reaching a lot of people. But he's also developing some opposition from the Herodians, from the Pharisees, from the teachers of the law, people whose livelihoods and also their way of doing faith was in jeopardy. And so Jesus is in conflict with them, but mainly he's reaching a group of people that felt disenfranchised. That as Jesus starts introducing what the kingdom of God is, it's almost the world that they've been living in turned upside down. And so those on the bottom are now on the top. The first will be last, and last will be first. And so suddenly Jesus has hundreds of people that are wanting to come listen to him. Hundreds of people that have been disenfranchised or ostracized or pushed to the side, suddenly he's saying, hey, you come and listen to me. 
And so crowds are gathering, and it's just an incredible time. And in Mark chapter 3 and in Mark chapter 4, two separate occasions, Jesus says, hey, the crowd is so big, we need to borrow some boats here and push off from shore because I'm getting crowded too much by people that are wanting either to come hear me or for me to heal. And so that's what's happening in Judea. And so in the midst of all of this, Jesus tells them in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, that day when the evening had come and he's dismissing the crowds, he said to his disciples, let's go over there. Let's go over to the other side and leave this crowd behind. I always wonder why he did that. Because if it's a numbers thing, he had definitely had enough people and more people than he could save grace over of, well, uh, okay, we need to start dividing these people up into discipleship groups. And, okay, I've taught you some things, and you go teach this group, and you go teach that, and we'll, we'll kind of divide them up. And, and, and maybe we can do some house churches here or there. No, Jesus says, come on, let's get in the boat. We're going over here. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I wonder if the disciples are kind of scratching their heads going, You've got a pretty big group here. Why are we doing something different? Why did Jesus leave his ministry in Judea? Well, crossing the Sea of Galilee represents not only an actual physical barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles, but it was a symbolic barrier as well. And so as they hop in the boat, it's almost like they go into international waters. And so they, they're like, okay, we've no, we don't even fish over here. Yeah, and so they kept going. And so as they went further and further across, and then they landed on the other side in the region of the Gerasenes, Jesus had purposely said, boys, we're going to the Gentile territory. There's a good chance that many in those boats that day that traveled across and went through that storm had never stepped foot in these territories. So if Jesus had been preaching to the Jews this whole coming of the kingdom of God, and, and he's pointing to the, the grand story that started with Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, according to Matthew's telling of the gospel. And as Mark says, hey, uh, Mark tells that Jesus is saying, repent, the kingdom of God is here. And so everyone's being welcomed in, and it's a continuation of what God's been doing all throughout history for his people. And they're saying, now is the next step that we step into this kingdom. That's what the Jews have been hearing. They're coming to a place that doesn't have that story. They're coming to a place that is the anti-kingdom. They're going to a place that has very little spiritual understanding of, of what's going on. And so they're entering into this pagan anti-kingdom. Why is he here? I believe Jesus cares very deeply about this man specifically, but the Gentile community as a whole. You know, before Jesus is going to be taken back up to the Father, he pulls all of his disciples together after he's come back. He's about to be ascended up. And he sends them out with what? The Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And so it's going to start here in Judea and then Samaria uh, and, and to the ends of the earth. And so that's not just the Great Commission given to them, but to us as well. And it's almost as if Jesus is like, hey, guys, 
I'm going to go first. I'm going to show you how important this is and my willingness to go through all of this for one guy. And so there there are two thoughts that that I came up with through, through this. Number one is Jesus came for all people. I think sometimes that we get into a mindset of of kind of predetermining who we should extend the gospel message to. I remember when I was a teenager and we go door knocking. And sometimes uh, after we had a particularly rough encounter with knocking on the door and someone telling us to scram and everything, we, we started looking at the houses and determine Okay, um, they got the no soliciting. Uh, I don't call nine one one. You know, okay, let, let's skip that house, right? And so we start discerning uh, which people we think will be receptive and which ones won't. Jesus is like, I don't do that. I, I care for each and every one, and I want everyone to come to a saving understanding of the gospel message. And so, man. This was a radical idea back then that Jesus would go and talk with someone that wasn't like him because your faith was determined by your ethnicity. And so who you were as a people meant, you know, who your father and mother were and how you were raised. There wasn't any choice. There wasn't going out and window shopping with other faiths. No, that's who you were. And so now Jesus is coming in and he goes, I'm going to extend this to the Gentiles. And I'm not going to look at any longer your ethnic background. In fact, my kingdom is going to be so revolutionary that all of the markers that we have out in society, we're going to shelve. In Christ, there's no Jew or Gentile. In Christ, there's no slave or free. In Christ, there's no male and female. All have access equally to the cross of Jesus Christ. Number two, Jesus' encounter in Mark 1, um, where he is preaching, and the demon-possessed man comes forth as he's beginning his ministry in Judea. Mark 5 is the same thing, but boy, it is cranked up. And so... Here's the thing we need to really understand, church, is when we get serious about reaching others, I mean really serious and start doing things, why are we surprised when Satan doubles his forces to begin and mount an opposition to us? You know, as as John records in John chapter 4 with the Jesus encounter with the Samaritan woman, it said that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He didn't bypass like everyone else did. Jesus had to go through it. And right now, he has to come over for this one man legion. He had to go to Gentile territory, and Satan's not happy about it. And we're going to see Satan does everything he can to stop it. But guys, we need to realize that Satan is like a dog, and dogs don't chase parked cars. They only go after ones that start moving. So just be, be in prayer for your leadership, be in prayer for each other, be in prayer for our church as we start to say, what can we do in different ways and, and how can we see the people around us and take advantage of the opportunities? Boy, just gear up because Satan is not going to be happy about that. And I'm, I'm not going to say that Satan was behind the storm, but in Mark chapter 4, the disciples are looking at Jesus because it's almost like he confronts 
an enemy. And he tells this storm that they're all concerned about that is coming over to the boats and they're fishermen, but they're like, I've never seen a storm like this. Jesus, don't you care if we perish? He gets up, peace be still. He confronts it as if it is an entity that is trying to keep them from going. This storm wants you to say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to turn around and go home. And Jesus says, no, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep pressing through this. Jesus rebukes in silence and wind as if it were just another force against him. And now Satan sends out a man with the legion. Legion is a term used by the Romans for four to 6,000 men. So imagine this one guy has close to 6,000 forces inside of him. That's why he can rip these chains apart. Satan is like, this is my warrior. You're going to come into my area. You got to go through Legion. So Legion comes running out and everyone else is terrified. That's what's going on. Man, the sheer strength of the man and the strength of 6,000 spirits possessing him. The devil is like, man, it's time to go. It's time to rumble. And and just like the, the Philistine giant that stood up there and called out God's people, and they, sit, they stood back and just shook with fear, you needed one person to step out of the boat. And in that case, it was David, the, the shepherd boy that says, I'll go up against the uncircumcised Philistine. Let me at him. And that's exactly what happens. Mark chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, do not torture me. I think it's pretty interesting that after the encounter of the storm out on the waters, his own disciples are saying, who is this guy? That Satan's demons know exactly who he is and call him by name. You know, and they knew exactly who he was. And they also sized up their abilities and said, we're no match against the Son of God. So Jesus demands that they vacate their host. And I don't know why he negotiates with them, but they're like, well, we kind of want to stay in the, don't put us into abyss. Kind of want to stay in the area. We feel comfortable here. Can we go into the pigs? Sure, why not? And so each pig got their own multiple forms of demons. And what do they do? Go charging down. And they go off the cliff and into the water. And I'm just wondering what that must have been like. But to, to see that, did two things. Number one, it helped Legion to understand that entity is gone. You're turning a page. You're starting a new life. The old self is gone. But it also showed that, man, the destructive nature of what Satan is up to. We, we think that we can kind of balance um, some of our habits, some of the things that we hold behind, you know, that we we'll other people see. And we allow Satan to have a little bit of influence over here and then a lot of God over here. We need to realize just what Satan's up to and what his schemes are about. They're not to comfort us. They're not to support us. They're there to destroy us. The townsfolk come out. And they see two things. 
Number one, 2,000 floating pigs. Must have been pretty cool. And then they also see Legion clothed and in his right mind. And you're not anticipating, at least I was the first time I read this, instead of going, wow, okay, uh, can you come help my uncle? You know, uh, no, they're like, we want you to leave our area. Like, not in a few days, like right now, we want you to go. Why did they want Jesus to leave? Some think it may have been an economic reason. Uh, I talked with local yokel, and they said if you were to get the whole pig and brought out and do all the fixings, it'd be around $375. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then you multiply that times 2,000, it comes out to $750,000 or three-quarters of a million dollars that just went, that's a lot of bacon right off the cliff. And so it's an economic thing that Jesus coming in and is proving very disruptive to the local, you know, swine market and everything that's going on there. I think there's another reason they wanted him to leave. It's a spiritual reason. And I'm seeing it right now as well in the world around us, that there's a demonic presence in our society that seems normal. And we've normalized it. But when people of faith stand up in the name of Jesus and come forth as holy representatives, that's what's asked to be quiet. That's what's asked to be silenced. That's what's being canceled in the world around us instead of, well, we need more of that. No, we don't need that. And so we want to maintain this level of unholiness. And so holy people are asked to pull back but we see people of courage, people of faith stepping forward to say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to change the world around us. And I want to encourage us to do the same thing. You know, Jesus' mission wasn't just reaching the Gentiles or defeating Satan by casting out his demons. What we see in this story is something that's pretty cool. Jesus trades places with legion and what do i mean by that well at the start of this story the man's naked he's bleeding he's crying out he's living among the dead in the tombs and by the end of the text he's clothed he's speaking normal he's in his right mind and is in fellowship with the people around him. And conversely, at the beginning of the story, Jesus is clothed in his right mind and speaking plainly. But by the end of this gospel, Jesus will find himself naked and bleeding and crying out on a cross as he takes on the sin of legion, each one of us in this room, and eventually dies and is buried and left among the dead in the tombs. And so what Jesus is doing here is not just making a point, not just encouraging, hey, you guys go do the same. He says, I'm here to tell you the good news. I'm wanting to switch places with you, Legion. That's what we have to understand is Jesus is doing the same for us. And as long as we think, well, I'm not as bad as Legion, we miss the gospel message. Paul says, you've got to understand how deplorable you are in Every one of us has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. Otherwise, it's not good news when Jesus shows up on our shore. We've got to understand how bad we are. And we've got to understand how much our Heavenly Father loves us. 
in order to send his son to switch places with us. As Jesus hops back into the boat with his disciples, um, Legion's like, hey, can y'all make room for one more? <laughs> or can one of the other boats come on over? Or you got some space? I, I want to go with you. You've changed my life. But I also don't want to go back there where everyone's seen me naked and it's kind of been, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of awkward, right? They know me as someone different. Can I go with you? Mark 5 and verse 19 says, Jesus did not let him go, but said this, Legion, here's what I want you to do. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So in addition to the importance of the man, and reviving the mission and clarifying the mission. Finally, Jesus says, in this story, you need to understand the message. And, and your message is the same as what Legion's was. Go tell how much the Lord has done for you. Th that's our, our testimony. That, that's what we give. It's your story. But it, we need to make sure that when we're telling our story, that it's not as much about us as we need to quickly get to the main point of the story, which is Jesus and what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And so in, in Acts chapter 20, Paul uh, tells, a, a, you know, several times he's told his long, abbreviated, I mean, long story about his conversion on the road to Damascus. But here in, in, in Acts chapter 20, Paul says, can I just boil it down for you? I've had a mission. And God's given me a job, and my task is simply this, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. If you want to know, well, what do I share with people? Uh, start with grace and how much you need it, how much they need it, and what God wants to do through his son Jesus to provide it. Paul says, I, I just go around telling people about God's grace. I'm here to testify. If you want to know what my testimony is, I was horrible over here. But through the grace of Jesus in his encounter on the road to Damascus, I am now living in Jesus Christ under his grace. You know, sometimes I think we make evangelism harder than it has to be. And sometimes it's difficult for folks when you get kind of nervous about sharing your faith. You're like, okay, but what if they ask a question about evolution versus creation? You know, is, is it one or the other? Is it both? You know, I, I don't want, you know, is science? I don't know. Well, what about the Trinity? I never quite understood that. Is it three gods? Is it one God in three parts? Oh, I don't want to get off in the weeds on that. And are we premillennial, postmillennial? Oh, I, oh, I'm just afraid that we'll get off on some of these subjects and I'm not equipped from them. Here's what I want to tell you. There is value in being a lifelong learner. Amen? And there is to studying as much as you can. But what I see in Scripture is the most simplest of people that have just encountered Jesus are the much better evangelists. They just go, well, let me tell you what Jesus did. I was this crazy. So they go right in. And Jesus says, just tell them what I did for you. Share who you were and share who you are now. You know, I'm sure Legion hated telling his story. Can you imagine 
Hey, let me tell you where I was. Um, you ever feel like Satan's with you? Yeah. Well, I got a big, Satan, what, 6,000 were all, really? Yeah. How did that affect you? Well, I lived in the graveyards, and I ran around naked. That was you? I've seen you in town. I know. And I cut myself. Here's my scars. But let me tell you how my life has been different since I encountered Jesus Christ. Because he was willing to share that, he was able to share about God's surpassing grace and mercy that was given to him. So our question for each one this morning is, can we do the same? Can we do the same to articulate what Jesus has done for us? I think it's pretty cool. I think, a lot, man, you just want to ask, how did Legion do? I think he did pretty good. Two chapters later, Mark chapter 7 and verse 31, it says that Jesus uh, returned to the Decapolis. Now, he hasn't been there since he said uh, au revoir to, to Legion and left all the townspeople with the pigs. <laughs> you know, they're trying to paddle around the pig bodies getting out of there. They haven't come back until this day. And so Mark chapter 7 and verse 31, it says he finally returns to this region. And there's a crowd of people that's been gathered that he's never met before, that are ready to hear his teaching and, and are also there to bring the sick and, and those that are demon-possessed there because they know he has a power they cannot understand. Three days later, after Jesus arrives, he's feeding 4,000 on the hillsides because the testimony of one man. It's just amazing. What about us? Jesus asked his disciples to risk life and limb to cross over the sea for one soul. One soul that multiplied into a multitude. What are we willing to risk to do the same? I've said this before, but if our church goes on mission and cranks up the mission, we can expect storms and we can expect Satan to throw everything he has on us. But our mission starts today. Our mission starts sharing what God has done for us among who? Among our peoples. My, my group of people is different than your group of people. My neighborhood is different than your neighborhood. I work at different places. You guys have opportunities on school campuses that I'm not allowed to go on. So each of us have people and each of us have a story. So our mission starts when we connect the people that we know with the Savior that has changed our world forever. It's as simple as that. Maybe this, this morning, um, you haven't felt like being in the shoes or in the boat of the disciples. You're like, I'm kind of more that legion guy. My life is kind of a mess, and I need to talk with someone. Please, we can hook you up with the counselors, because this has been a very difficult season. Amen? It's just been difficult going through COVID and everything else. We want to connect you with people that can, can help you through some things. But there's also some people that haven't decided what to do with this story. There, there's people that, while well, you've been listening to me talk, if you look up, you'll see that Jesus has just pulled up on your shoreline in a boat. And you've got to make a decision. Do you feel that same magnetic pull that Legion did that got him out of his tomb and said, I'm going straight towards him? And, and maybe you're thinking... I'm not really ready to have a spiritual conversation about what's going on in my life right now. 
I have to tell you, we don't clean ourselves up to go into Jesus' presence. If, if the story of Legion could tell us anything, is he's going to take you right as you are. Amen? He just says, I want you to come. He's got one leg out of the boat. He stepped onto your shoreline. I encourage you to run. He will help you figure it out later. But first, you've got to run to him. You've got to get down on your knees and just say, Jesus, you are the son of the most high God. If we can help you today, if you're ready to make that declaration, we encourage you to come now as we stand and as we sing.